Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode with Stacy Foote, lovely naturopath and nutritionist who has made it her mission to empower and educate women towards wellness. Stacy has had her share of hormonal problems as at age 27 she was diagnosed as having commenced menopause with no explanation as to why. Under the mainstream medical model, she was told that she was just one of the unlucky ones and the only advice she was given was to try and start conceiving as soon as possible and that was the only hope of having a family naturally. She has come a long way from that point in her life and she's now showing other women how to achieve hormonal balance. She also recently authored the book Balanced Babes, Every Woman's Guide to Hormone Harmony, which you can find on our website linked in the show notes and also on Amazon. So sit back, relax, and let's have a listen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Hormonal imbalance and endometriosis go hand in hand. That's everyone knows that, you know, it's estrogen dominance. Endometriosis implants actually have their own blood supply, create their own blood supply sometimes. And, you know, we need to know and understand how or why this happens so that we can, you know, make better decisions for ourselves. So, yeah. Um, I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit more about you, what you do and um, what brought you to this point right now? Yeah, fabulous. So, well, I um, did a double degree, nutrition, naturopathy, straight out of high school. So I was always drawn to holistic therapies. And through the years, I had my own sort of hormone hell. I was never officially diagnosed with endometriosis, but I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. I was diagnosed as having commenced menopause at age 27 and told I'd never conceive naturally. So I had, you know, I was getting hot flushes. I had rapid weight gain. I put on eight kilos in a two-month period extreme fatigue, the hot flushes, you know, the blood sugar highs and lows, so all this stuff. So, and my hormones were completely out of whack. So through that process, and because of my knowledge as a naturopath in holistic therapies, I was basically able to reverse all of that completely. I have gone on and I have a mother conceived naturally. Um, and I was able to reverse everything, you know, the weight gain, the, the, the hormonal highs and lows, emotions, the cystic acne, all of that stuff. And so I learned a lot about how the body actually works. And I learn a lot about the hormones in particular. So the one thing that I'm really passionate about sharing with people is that our hormones are simply messengers, you know, and quite of we're shooting the messages. My stupid hormones are out of balance and my body's letting me down and it's not fair. And what your body is, those, those messages, those hormones are just letting you know of something that's going on underneath the surface at a cellular level. So before we sort of go, oh, I'm getting this hormonal migraine again, on my, you know, why? Not just, oh, let's condemn the hormones and let's try and put the hormones back together. Let's look at why the hormones went out of balance in the first place. How exactly does it work with endometriosis and the imbalance of hormones? How, what exactly does it mean? We know that endometriosis and imbalance of hormones, are they kind of go hand in hand. So what yeah. exactly are those hormones that affect us and how does it have an impact on endometriosis? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing with endometriosis is that it is so multifaceted. And I I like to explain it to people as endometriosis as a 100-piece jigsaw puzzle because there's 100 different elements going on within that endometriosis, which is why it's so difficult to find a cure and treat because there's so many moving parts that all need to be put back together in order for you to get that, that, that wellness happening. So one of those big elements is as the hormonal imbalance. So that is the estrogen dominance. 
where we have too much of this estrogen, but in particular, exogenous estrogen. So estrogens that we're picking up from our environment. So from meats that have been treated with hormones, synthetic hormones from, you know, the pills, the myrenas, the rods, the implants, um, plastics in our environment, our water supply is actually now very saturated in estrogen because of the amount of women on hormonal therapies and stuff like that, that they're basically eliminating out and ending up in our water supply. Um, so there's all those elements as well. But the other thing that goes on with the hormonal imbalance is women with endometriosis have a massive issue with progesterone and metabolism as well. So yes, they have really, really high estrogen, but they also have this, this progesterone that their body doesn't really know how to deal with, which is what causes things like the sore breasts, the mood swings, that endometriosis bloat. So progesterone is a smooth muscle relaxant. So when it's building up really high in your system, it relaxes all the smooth muscle, which is our digestive system, is all the muscle. So we lose the ability to digest our food. We eat things and it literally just sits there and our, and our, our bellies extend and we get the bloating and the pain and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, so that hormonal involvement is definitely there, but with endometriosis as well, there's chronic inflammation. There's an underlying infection I find with most women and it can be just as simple as a candida overgrowth or it can be general gut dysbiosis, so bad bacterial overgrowth through that digestive system. So, of course, that in itself creates, um, because beneficial bacteria plays a huge role in metabolizing and recycling our hormones. So our hormones are changing every day throughout the month, but it's our, our body's job to keep them back in order. When our body loses the ability to do that because we've got too much bad bacteria and not enough good bacteria to metabolize and keep them in order, as well as our liver being sluggish and overwhelmed, that's when the hormones go all out of whack as well. Um, we know with endometriosis as well, there's all uh, fragile and we're reacting more to foods. So we have intolerances to things like gluten, dairy, soy, um, lots of different things essentially we're more fragile to things like alcohol as well and stuff like that because they're inflammatory by nature um, we also have an emotional trauma element to endometriosis so quite often women who experience endometriosis have suppressed emotional things that basically stores through down in our uterus so that can be simple things like feeling shame and embarrassment around their period in itself yeah. it can be more significant traumatic things like sexual abuse or, or just having unpleasant experiences sexually as a teenager. Um, but they can, there's a spectrum of, of, of degree of, I guess, um, seriousness of these. But when we look at the pelvic cavity, think of it like a huge big bowl. And when we have emotions, heavy emotions, guilt, shame, anger, fear, and they're, and they're horrible, and they're heavy emotions, so they sink below and they settle in our, in our womb, in that pelvic cavity. And those negative emotions create inflammation. They create disease at a cellular level, which creates that fragility in that, in that womb space. So trapped, unhealed emotions and traumas definitely lead to endometriosis as well. So does this mean that when you have like negative emotions, they actually are chemical, like yeah. physical chemical I don't know, reactions in the body. Yes. So they translate that and yeah. then it settles in your, yeah. Is that what that Absolutely. means? Absolutely. Because that's, yeah, because that's a simple stress response. So when you're experiencing a negative emotion or you're in a state of fear or anger or shame or guilt, you are stressed. And when we're stressed, we produce more stress chemicals like your corticosols and your adrenalines, and they're inflammatory by nature. They affect our blood flow. They suppress our immune system. They make our gut leaky. 
they make our neurotransmitters more on a wire and stuff like that, which is why we have those, you know, shortness, you know, your classic PMS, that irritability, you know, that just feeling really teary, all those spectrums. So that our emotions are definitely have a physical effect on the body and there's science to prove that. Now it's not widely spoken about, but it is definitely a widely accepted phenomenon. Wow. That's really interesting because whenever I think of emotions, I think of it as some not physical things and knowing that it actually translates yeah. to physical chemical products in the body. That's interesting. And that's good to know Absolutely. because then you know that you yeah. have to work on that as well. So you mentioned something about infections in. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and this is, um, so it can be as simple as what we call dysbiosis, which is that bad bacterial overgrowth. Now it can also be um, more common infections um, like, you know, having past exposure to things like chlamydia or fungal infections or bacterial vaginosis. And these are harmful, not even STDs, like just bacterial overgrowth stuff within the womb. But it can be even more systemic than that. It can be, like I said, bad gut infections. Like you could have been past exposed to food poisoning and stuff like that. And that hangs around in the body. And what it does is when there's an infection in the body that's a resistant infection and it's a low-grade chronic infection, you don't feel sick necessarily. You, know, you don't have the high temps and the fevers and stuff like that. But your immune system recognizes that there's a bug in there that shouldn't be there. So your immune system's working over time. And the adrenal glands are like, hold on, we're under attack here. So your adrenal glands go into that stress mode. You go into that fight and flight mode. So you can never heal when you're in that mode. Because your body's, your immune system's working over time, trying to eradicate an infection that it's, it's a, a losing battle because it doesn't have, the ability to eradicate this infection all on its own because these bugs have adapted and evolved and mutated to form biofilms that protect them and they become resistant. And this is, you know, due to a lot of things, overuse of antibiotics over the centuries and stuff like that. Um, and just, you know, we're creating superbugs for all these other reasons. So um, you need, again, a, a, a multifaceted approach to fighting these infections. You know, it's addressing the biofilm, it's addressing the gut microbiome eradicating the infection but if you don't deal with the infection that's going on with your body which you most likely won't even know you have you're always going to be in that fight and flight mode so your body can't heal yeah and this is one thing that we're, we're, we're kind of we're told you know because we're told there's no cure to endometriosis but the body can actually eradicate like engulf endometrial tissue on its own that's what the immune system is designed to do to come along and basically gobble up that bad tissue digest it get rid of it and it does that through enzymes and through the natural immune response. Of course, when you've got huge cysts and huge growth, utilizing surgery to help take out that tissue is definitely a really great option as well. But we do know that comes with the risk of scar tissue, you know, yeah. perforating bowels and bladders and all those things as well. So we want to help the, our, our body and its own innate healing abilities to do a really great job cleaning up as well. But it can't do that if it's preoccupied fighting this infection within the body. Yeah. You know, if you're stressed, the immune system becomes depressed. Yeah. So if you don't know you have an infection because it's like low-grade infection, not acute, how yeah. do you find that out? Um, or should you just assume if you have endometriosis, you probably have got dysbiosis and infections? Or what yeah. would you say is the way to find out if you've got that along with it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the cheapest way is to assume that you've got it and treat accordingly because you can't really do any harm by, by treating. But it, treating these resistant infections is... Um, it's not a, an overnight quick fix. It's a committing to a protocol for a few months, essentially. Um, you can go and have um, comprehensive stool analysis tests, but these 
and this is in Australian dollars, they cost you around $400. So they, they're very comprehensive. They'll let you know of everything, but it's just not an option for everyone, as you know, that's quite an expensive test. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but classic signs, if you're someone that struggles with candida overgrowth and you're having you know, vaginal discharge and stuff like that, if you've ever had an STD, if you've ever had food poisoning, salmonella, those sorts of things, or gastro, you'll most likely have it. Um, if you're someone that gets the endobloate valley really, really, that's another, it's the progesterone relaxation causing the bloat, but it's also this underlying dysbiotic flora because these bad bugs, they produce gas. And so that's, of course, creating that extension, that abdominal flare, which can then lead to pain, gas, flatulence, all those sorts of things as well. So if you experience any of those things, yeah, you've got, you've got an underlying flora imbalance and infection going on. Okay. All right. So the endo most likely impacts our gut health or is it the other way around? How, what comes first? Is it the endometriosis <laughs> or... The yeah. gut issues, as in, how do we? How can we say what comes first? Oh, uh, look, I don't. I think it's a cycle of them feeding each other. Right. It's really difficult to say what comes first because, of course, we know with endometriosis there is a genetic predisposition as well because of that estrogen dominance. Yeah. Um. You know, there's theories around women who menstruate earlier as well. There's theories around the retrograde bleed. There's so many things that they suspect may be causing it, but they don't actually know. There's, you know, it's. it's more than likely there's an autoimmune component going on with endometriosis. It's not been proven, but that's a theory which I believe makes sense. And that's that same process. Autoimmunity is caused by our immune system working overtime, trying to fight an underlying infection. Yeah. But it's like it, it's, not, it's failing. It's not doing that until your own tissue gets caught in a crossfire. It's not that your immune system is turning on your body and attacking itself. It's attacking something else, but your your body's getting caught in the fire, and that's really my my belief around autoimmunity. Okay, so let's discuss the seven steps to hormone harmony. Can you yeah, tell awesome. More about that? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll, we've already touched on a few of them straight away, but the first one is really addressing your adrenals because if you're in a stressed state and who hasn't got stress in their life be it financial be it the fact that you're in a lot of pain with your endometriosis or you're struggling to conceive or relationship stuff work pressures we've all got stress and when we're stressed we go into that fight and flight mode so we're on the defense okay when we're in fight and flight mode it's like we're just trying to keep our body above water so we're not thriving we're just surviving and when we're in that state we're rapidly depleting our nutritional stores we're producing more of those stress chemicals, which are inflammatory. And we're like I said, our, the immune system's not doing any work on healing the endo. It's just trying to keep you alive. So it's in like overreactive mode. And that makes us more fragile and susceptible to food intolerances and allergies too, because the immune system's like just trigger happy, so to speak. And when the immune system's trying to fight stuff, it's producing its own little chemicals um, to fight infections. But of course, again, our own tissue gets caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first stop. You've got to do an assessment on your adrenals and see what level you're at. Because if you're in a really state of stress, you'll never be able to move through and, and get through the next step. So calming the adrenal glands and utilizing stuff like relaxation therapies, like um, meditation and yoga and, and those things, having your own downtime. Um, it's utilizing adaptogenic herbs. So things like holy basil, romania, ashwagandha, rhodiola, Siberian ginseng, beautiful, restorative, calming herbs which replenish the adrenal glands and try to balance that excessive response of those adrenal stress hormones. 
um, you know, magnesium foot baths and baths are fantastic. Going and having massage. Self-care is a big one, you know, and self-care is not selfish. We've all heard that one. It's a big, big yeah. thing. And it's like quite often if you're, we, you know, if you're caught in trying to care for everyone else or trying to, you know, work and not really honouring and listening to our body, we'll go into those stress states as well. So stopping and just really reassessing every day and 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 checking in. And I'm being good for talking to our bodies and I'm not in a crazy way talking to yourself, but in a way, you know, just feeling your body. Say, what do you need today? Like, are you tired? Do we need to take a nap today? Do I actually really have the energy to go to the gym this afternoon or am I actually allowed to skip it because I'm so exhausted? It's just checking in, having that self-awareness of going, what do I need right now? And not comparing ourselves to other people because what someone else needs with endo always going to be different to you and your own personal journey yeah okay yeah so that's stage one so stage two is um a, a colon cleanse so the average person has two kilos of congested toxicity stored in their colon um and you've got to understand that the colon is a permeable membrane which means that anything that's inside the colon is basically interchanging with that outside environment our bloodstream so i like to uh, get you to imagine this imagine you're in a bath and you grab a sock and you fill it up with dirt, tie a knot in that sock, then throw that sock in the bath with you. Now, obviously what's gonna happen is that dirt's gonna seep out of the sock into yeah. the bath and pollute your, your bath water, making your bath water dirty. It's the same with our blood. Your colon's congested, and our colon becomes congested with a thing called mucoid plaque. Now, mucoid plaque is mucus that we naturally secrete every single time you ingest something that is inflammatory or irritative to your body. Mm. So that is, Alcohol, coffee, refined sugar, gluten, dairy, even meat will produce a little bit of mucus. And our body produces that to protect itself from those inflammatory, irritating foods. Okay. But of course, over time, that mucus hardens and it forms a plaque. And then that stops us absorbing our nutrients properly in our food. And it becomes that perfect breeding ground for that bad bacteria to live in and parasites to thrive in. They love that mucus and that that yeah. stagnancy so if we don't get in and clear out that congestion through the colon that leads us into step three which is eradicating that eradicating that dysbiotic flora so you've got to get rid of their home or else you know they're going to keep in there and they're going to keep overriding those bad bacteria or parasites or even viruses and stuff mm -hmm. like that okay. so yeah go to number three step three quick one on the step two so the colon cleanse if you've never done a colon cleanse, is it possible that the plaque will be permanent? There a way for it to definitely be washed out in terms of the plaque? Yeah, yeah. It's, it definitely will not be per permanent, but it may take extra budging. So what I generally recommend women do is a three-day juice fast, which can be quite overwhelming for someone who's never done something like that before. So I even say start off with 24 hours. You know, don't stress yourself out more. And you may do one day, a month and then you might build your way up to three days and the reason we do the juice fasting is because the living enzymes from the juice actually starts to dissolve and soften that hardened mucoid plasma it kind of like loosens it from the edges of the bowel and the colon and then we can use the colon cleanse powder which is just if you like taking a broom internally and taking it through and scrubbing through and it attaches to that mucoid plaque and then drags it out as it moves through the bowel. Yeah. The biggest misconception that people have with colon cleansing is they think, oh no, I'm going to be on the toilet all day long and that's not what it does. You don't have diarrhea. You're not supposed to have diarrhea with the colon cleanse. It's simply maybe two bowel motions a day where you're, you're moving it. That just that, it's like rubbery plaque starts to, start to fall away and come out. And it's, 
you know, you want to give your space in that three-day period to play around as much as you can, have your juice, drink lots of water and lots of self-care, lots of rest. And, you know, it's not necessarily the funnest process, but three days, it, it is doable and it can make a significant difference to your health. Because again, your body perceives that, that plaque as a stress. So when we're in stress, we're not healing. So yeah. take away the stresses, then the body can start to heal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no, step three. Yeah. <laughs> so step three is, is fighting the infections that we've been chatting about. So classic antimicrobial herbs but we quite often have to do them in conjunction with some supporters. So things that will help to dissolve, dissolve and break down that biofilm, which is what makes these infections resistant. It gives them their, their special um, their shield, so to speak, their armour. So things like essential oils can be really good and they need to be used safely internally. It's not something you take internally ongoing long-term. Even things like N-acetylcysteine and beautiful enzymes can help to dissolve and break down that shield. Then you do that in conjunction with the antimicrobial herbs. So, you know, things like um, black walnut, um, uh, cloves is another really great one. Oregano is a great one. Um, there's lots of really great antimicrobial herbs that you can use. And you, you need to do that slowly because you can't just load the body up. And I explain all of this in the book as well. You can follow the protocol, um, the Balance Babes, which is every um, woman's guide to hormone harmony and that outlines these seven steps. Um, so it gives you the specific instructions of what to do, the directions to take them, the dosages to take them, and, and the days to follow it for. So that's really, so it is a process that's easy to do yourself. It's just, you know, check in with the community, the balance Faith community, because everyone responds differently. Yeah. You know, we get what's called a die-off effect when we're fighting these infections, and that can just, you can feel tired, you can feel sluggish, you might get more rumbling and grumbling or bloating. Some people may get a headache even, and that's normal, but of course you want to be able to support that process and make sure you're doing it on, tra on track then. step number four <laughs> yeah so step number four is um loving the liver so when our liver is congested we can't we lose that ability to maintain our hormone balance we lose the ability to, to filter out our blood you know when we look at um, our cars for example we get to take them to the mechanics at least once a year and get them serviced and our liver is like our, our internal filter if we're not giving it a check a checkup and a cleanse at least once a year it gets clogged and it loses its ability to filter toxins from our body. And we know that toxins stimulate inflammation. We know that toxins are involved in the growth of endometrial tissue. So cleansing that liver once a year is a really important factor. And unfortunately, because of the surgeries that women with endometriosis are exposed to, the drugs, the pain relief drugs that they're having to take on a regular basis, that loads up the liver, of course. It becomes, so it's this, you know, we need the drugs for pain management, but then of course it's loading up the liver and then that cycle continues. So it's about balancing like the Western approach with these holistic therapies for the better outcomes. So step five is then about healing the gut. So once we've killed the infections, we want to heal the gut and that leaky gut syndrome that happens. And leaky gut is simply the cells of the gut seem to separate a little bit. So we get gaps going through. And that's when then undigested food proteins, gluten in dairy, in meats or whatever, they, they, they don't digest properly and they sneak out through that gut junction and end up in our bloodstream. And then the immune system goes, oi, you're not supposed to be there. It amounts an immune response, which yeah. then can manifest in an endo flare of the belly, inflammation, yeah. headaches, sinus problems, skin rashes, you know, eczema, psoriasis, um, tiredness, fatigue, foggy head, brain fog, a whole heap of different ways depending on the individual. So, once we've got rid of the infection, we can then heal the gut. And we can do that with beautiful anti-inflammatory things like turmeric and slippery elm powders and 
um, glutamine and there's lots of great aloe vera, manuka honey. There's lots of beautiful, vulnerable, vulnerable healing herbs that you can do for that. Um, you need to do that in conjunction with taking out the inflammatory foods because every time you have an inflammatory food, be it alcohol, gluten, dairy, it's like you're, you're ripping off the scab again and then the body has to reheal. So yeah. you do need that while you're doing that process, you know, for that duration of time, you know, give yourself three months, a really clean diet, low inflammatory diet, taking the herbs and, um, and just yeah, getting those processes in order. Okay. Um, now, step number six is about nailing nutrition. And that's about understanding the foods that work for you. So we've all seen the classic endometriosis diet and it's not for everyone, unfortunately. It is very restrictive. And if you can adhere to it and you feel better for it, amazing. That is great. But there are going to be foods on that list that aren't actually a problem for you. And the only way you will know that is by taking the time to test them, doing the tedious process of creating diet diaries, checking in, having that self-awareness at the end of each day and going, well, how do I feel? Is my endo worse today? Is my bloating worse? Have I got a headache? Oh, what food have I eaten three days in a row? I can see. And I'll take that out for three days. Oh, I don't have that same headache. And that takes time, you know, and you need to commit that time to playing around with your diet, taking the notes, experimenting and, and really nailing nutrition and what is right for you. I am personally a really big advocate for really low meat consumption. I see women do really well on plant-based diets because meat is inflammatory. It's difficult to digest. It is, you know, because it's expensive to buy organic meat where it has a higher exposure about those synthetic hormones, the treatments and stuff like that. But having said that, there are some women that can consume meat and still thrive and it'd be healing for them. So you don't know that until you try all elements for yourself. And then the final step of hormone healing is dealing with the emotional baggage, dealing with our negative mindset, our beliefs, because I do see something that's very, very common with women with endometriosis because they are have been suffering for so long and, and they're not giving answers and they're being told, well, this is just your, this is what you've been dealt and we can't do anything about it. There is no cure. You have to suffer it forever. So women, you know, you can imagine how down, disheartening that is. And so women get stuck in this negative cycle of not actually believing in hope, not actually believing that they can, you know, thrive with endo, not believing that they'll be able to have children. And so, but we know that the power of the mind is paramount. You know, we've seen there's so much science now on the power of our mind to create our reality and positivity having such a profound effect on endorphins that we produce more serotonin and happy hormones and stuff like that. So we need to also be addressing our mindset and any of those emotional traumas and suppressed wounds and traumas and guilt and shames of out through our upbringing, you know, anything that's lingering around there as well. Yeah. I love those seven steps. I think I'm going to be doing it, just starting again, because <laughs> I've done quite a lot of um, the endo diet. So I try to restrict uh, my diet from having gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, the works. And, um, but I'd like to do the seven steps again, just give myself like three months or whatever, and then go through everything yeah. all over again. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I was saying earlier. Endometriosis is like a 100 piece puzzle. If you're just doing diet alone, you're going to get a little bit of improvement, but it's not addressing all of the elements. And then, of course, women get disheartened because they go on this massive effort to change their diet and they might feel a little better, but at the end of the day, they're still feeling crap. So then you get disheartened and you give up. And that's the, I guess, the tricky thing about treating endometriosis. It has to be an all or nothing approach in that you've got to be addressing all of the things, yeah. you know, and this is what I, I share with people. Essential oils are great for endo. Herbal medicine is great for endo. Um, colonic irrigation is great for endo. 
there's, there's hundreds of things that are great for endo, but no one thing on its own will cure your endometriosis. But lots of little things consistently to address the inflammation, the hormonal imbalance, the stress, you know, the emotions, all together as a collective will have an impact, but not anything on its own. Yeah, agreed. Many women with endometriosis use supplements and multivitamins because we are told we are lacking in maybe magnesium or zinc and we end up just sometimes like for me i try to use the different um vitamins but i thought you know what this is confusing so i just go multivitamin that had magnesium and zinc and selenium so what what are your thoughts about using supplements and are there best practices or ones yeah look absolutely and it's the same deal there is a place for supplementation absolutely but it's one piece of a very complex puzzle so relying on supplements alone again will not cure your endometriosis i personally am not a fan of multivitamin supplements because you're getting a tiny 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 amount of each one so it's kind of like it's a tip of the iceberg. You're not going to get that therapeutic amount. So you're not going to think. At the same time, even at supplementing with, you know, a whole whack of magnesium or selenium and, and zinc and all these common things that women are low in, um, we want to go one step back. We don't want to just correct the deficiency with a synthetic um, nutrient. We want to know well, why you're low in that in the first place. Yeah. And that comes back to not getting it in your diet, your digestive system not functioning properly and not absorbing it properly because the dyspotic flora, the leaky gut, the colon congestion. So that's the beauty of the seven-step hormone healing system. It's addressing all the reasons why you're nutritionally depleted. Because if you're only supplementing, you're going to be stuck supplementing for the rest of your life. Let's, it's like think of it like a bucket with a hole in it. You keep putting water in this leaky bucket or you can actually fix the leak. And that's, what it's, that's the difference. Okay. Agreed. So one of your steps um, on the seven steps to hormonal um, harmony is um, the colon cleanse. So can this be seen like as a food detox? And yeah, if, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Is the food detox part of the seven steps in terms of the colon cleanse or is it something that you can do separately? Well, I mean, I don't refer to it as food detoxification, but food is addressed a lot in the book as well, especially in the chapter around nailing nutrition. And like I said, it's that, that self-inquiry, that investigation of what foods work for you. I outlined the classic steps that you should be following, broad guidelines of, and, and I do agree, you know, gluten and dairy-free, you've got to cut those classic inflammatories out of there. But then the more specific certain vegetables and fruits and stuff, like I said, that's really an individual process. And... I believe that when we heal the gut, when we cleanse the colon, when we get rid of that infection, the dysbiotic flora, you won't react to as many foods because you won't have this, for lack of a better word, this shitstorm going on within your body and this immune system being up. And so we start reacting to whole foods when our whole system's so confused and out of whack. Heal all those things and you find you won't react to whole foods anymore. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk balanced babes. What is your mission exactly? And um, I know you've got some products. Um, so can you the balance me? And I don't remember the names of the others, but I'd like to know a lot more about them and what yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so balanced babes is is my business, and my mission is to empower and educate women to wellness because it's not just about me telling you what you need to do to heal. It's about you actually embodying that process yourself and taking it on as your own identity and making it your own because otherwise we're giving our power away and expecting someone else to heal us, be it a doctor, be it a naturopath or a nutritionist or anyone. It is your journey. And this is where we step back and understand, well, 
this disease, as awful and ghastly as it is, it's there now and we can either ignore it and try and suppress it or we can listen to it and understand what our body is trying to communicate with us. Why did I get this in the first place? Because unfortunately it wasn't just, I mean, it was an element of bad luck, but it's also a result of genetics, a result of the way you've lived your life, a result of stresses and traumas you've had, a result of your diet, you know, a result of, or from an emotional point of view, not listening to yourself, not honouring ourselves, you know, being stuck in unhappy relationships, being stuck in, bullying situations at work where we're not stepping up and taking control of our own choices and empowering ourselves. So it's, it is such a, a, an emotional, spiritual and physical journey, healing endometriosis. So my, my mission really is to bridge that gap between the mainstream medical model and holistic natural therapies, because like I said, together we can do better. And we have completely different skill sets, completely different approaches. We're not competing in any way. We just want the same outcome. So I want women to understand that Holistic health is powerful and you can thrive with endometriosis when you're living by these principles. And it's not to say that the medical approach is wrong. They're completely different and we need them both. And that's, that's really the mission of Balance Babe. So I put together a few different programs. I'm, I'm really passionate about endometriosis because I'm working with women. I'm seeing fantastic results. And I just, I, I can't settle for women being told there is no cure. We don't have a cure at the moment from a medical point of view. We haven't got a drug that can cure it or a surgery that can cut it out and stop it from coming back. But I will not settle for that, that women are stuck with that for the rest of their lives. I know that we can get you living life optimally as if it's not even there or eventually, you know, eradicating it completely. I do believe we can do that. So I just think I have to speak out and I have to let women know about these practices or else too many women are suffering and their quality of life is, is not good. And, you know, yeah, the hysterectomy is an answer, but I think, you know, you just even said in with your process, you've got um, endometriosis around your diaphragm. So are we going to just keep cutting out body parts until, you know, there's nothing left of us? It's not the ultimately the whole answer. And we know that when we have a hysterectomy very, very young, it increases the risk of things like breast cancer and increases the risk of really debilitating menopausal symptoms. And then you've got poor quality of life. It's just as bad. So you know, yes, it's an option. And if that's your only option, of course it is. But I want women to know that it's not the only option. And I see women overcome their endometriosis by, you know, adapting these seven steps of the hormone healing process. Okay. That's fantastic. How about your products? So they balance me and just tell me about them. <laughs> yeah, so I have a supplement range of things that I've formulated. Um, some of them are nutritional supplements, but majority of them are based around what I call functional food formulas. So they're not just, like I said, trying to put a synthetic nutrition to mask a deficiency. It's the, they're all things that are used in the seven step hormone healing system. So the products that you use for the colon cleanse and healing the liver and healing the gut and, and all those things. So they're all beautiful things that you can have a read about on the website. Um, I've got programs, the balance me program, which is a, uh, like a, a 12 to 14 week program that is self-directed learning. So you get the online platform where you can learn all about these things we're chatting about and educate yourself, empower yourself and, you know, act on the principles. And that's basically taking you through the seven step hormone healing system. Um, obviously I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, mentoring with women with endometriosis as well, because as you know, it's such a debilitating thing. You know, the women I work with, I speak to them every day and it's, sometimes it's just a check in high, how are you feeling today? Because sometimes they just need that virtual hug or that reassurance that what they're doing, they're on the right track. And even though they're not feeling better yet, it's all falling into place. And I remind them of their gains they're having each day. And I help them 
make the decisions around the surgeries and, and stuff like that. So we could see how, I guess, soul-destroying endometriosis can be for some women. So I just, I really like that. A bit, I have that. It's an honour to be able to hold someone's hand through their process and help them, help them heal. Yeah, that's awesome. So we can get that information from balancedbabes.net, right? Yep, balancedbabes.net or balancedbabes.com.au. Okay. And do you have a Facebook group? Or... I do have a Facebook group, yeah. yep. Okay. So that's just if you go to www.facebook.com forward slash balancedbabes for life and it's the number four. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, Thank you so much, Stacey. So what is your final advice for anyone who's trying to create health goals and how can they achieve them? How can they stay grounded? Oh, amazing. So just to never give up hope. You know, some days are going to be harder than others, absolutely. And some days you're going to go, you know what, I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix today and eat chips. And that's okay. We're allowed to have those days because we are human. But, you know, pick yourself up the next day, dust yourself off and read something new. Follow someone else, look for more inspiration and listen to the body. And that's, that's like the whole thing is, you know, our hormones aren't punishing us. Our hormones are just going, oi, look at me, notice me. I want to show you that something you're doing in your life's hurting me. And I want you to listen. I want you to understand me more. And I want you to change your diet or change your thoughts or change your relationship or change the beauty care products you're putting in your skin that are actually toxic and drowning my cells. There's so many elements to it. And if we learn to listen to the body rather than condemn it, that's when we start to get a lot more awareness and we're shown, you know, we, we, we see, we're connected with people that can help us or people in our journey who we can talk with. And it's all there for us. We've got to be willing to open our eyes and, and see it. Okay. Thank you so much. This was very insightful, Stacey. Appreciate it. Tell us a bit about the Balanced Bay book and um, where we can get it online as well. So it's available on Amazon. Um, as a Kindle version, or you can get the paperback. It's also available on my website. Um, price is similar, but you may find a difference in shipping depending on where you are in the world. But yeah, it is available on my website. And like I said, it's really about educating women to wellness and helping them to understand their body and understand their hormones in the first half. And it talks about, you know, the dangers of estrogen dominance and all these things and, and not listening to our body and simply trying to do that quick fix band-aid approach. Um, and then the second half of the book, it talks you through step-by-step step, the seven-step hormone healing system to try. Thank you. I've enjoyed having you on the show and um, I look forward to a lot of people hearing about you as well and learning from you and probably even being your clients. Who knows? <laughs> well, yep, just reach out and I do offer free 30-minute phone calls so wherever you are in the world let's have a chat for 30 minutes so i can answer your questions and you can find out more about the things i do and whether you feel that's going to work for you and your lifestyle and all those sorts of things so you know there's no excuse you know if you want to just ask questions you know i'm here to chat and to provide that support for you fantastic thanks stacy no worries i loved chatting with stacy today we all know hormonal imbalances associated with endometriosis but few of us understand what this means or how it impacts us. I especially loved hearing about the seven steps to hormonal balance, which includes dealing with your adrenals by working on your stress levels, colon cleansing to get rid of mucoid plaque, clearing low-grade infections by using essential oils and antimicrobials, working on your liver, healing the gut, nailing nutrition, and finally dealing with emotional baggage. To learn more about Stacey, 
visit her website, www.balancedbabes.net. She also has products that can help you on your journey to healing yourself. Find the link to order Stacey's book in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love to know. Send me comments or even a DM through my Instagram or Facebook page. Share with your friends and subscribe to the podcast. If you also have any questions to ask or topics you would like me to discuss, feel free to shoot me an email on info at notdefinedbyendo.com. I love to hear from you all. All of this information can be found in the show notes. So until next time, my name is Taniela and remember, you are not defined by angels.